We here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So, um, yeah, yesterday we had the Foster Conference. Uh, that was really awesome. And um, as a church, we are supporting a ministry called King Culture. And uh, they're doing great work in terms of foster care. And uh, yeah, we know it's something <clears throat> that's gaining traction in our, in our family, in our church. And it's awesome to see how other churches have gotten involved and, um, and what they do. And then I have to just tell this story. This is an awesome, awesome story. So they had, um, they had guys from all over. They had an author of a book. And then they had this pastor uh, and different sessions. And then they had the professionals. So they had all the social workers on. And then you could ask all your, your difficult questions, and they gave you all the professional answers. And at the last session, they just had a, a bunch of parents who's doing foster care. And they had interviews with them, and they chatted to them. And um, <laughs> just to show you what God can do the impossible, this one guy, he stood up, and, uh, and they asked him, okay, so how did you get involved, and how did you get involved in foster care? And he says, well, his, uh, his 15-year-old daughter uh, had a friend in school who was in an orphanage and um, this friend would come over and visit and, and then they said well we can spend more time with her so uh, what they became was uh, weekend and holiday parents so this girl came over on weekends and holidays and they said but why are we sending her back to the orphanage if we've got a room open in our house so they said and they, they put things in place to um, bring her in uh, into the house full time and in that time this girl of 15 16 fell pregnant and they were like okay so uh, what now? I said, well, we, we felt God lead us. We decided that we're going to take her in, so this doesn't change it. So they pursued that. that. Then they heard that uh, it's twins. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it wasn't just instant family. It was instant grandparents. So they had three kids of their own, biological. Now they had a foster, um, a, a girl, foster daughter coming in, pregnant with twins. And then there was another friend of theirs who was visiting, and then she turned 18, and she was like, well, I don't want to live in where I live anymore. Can I come live with you? So they went from five family of five to a family of nine in no time, and they've now a month and a year, no? A month and a half old to 18-year-old children uh, in the house. And the guy says, well, if God says to do it, then God will provide. So, um, yeah, that was just really, really encouraging to see what God does and God's heart for family. And um, there's a, word, a scripture that's really ringing true in my heart of late, and it is, I will not leave you abandoned as orphans. I will come for you. I will comfort you, and I will be your father. And I don't know where you are in your heart, in your life, in your journey. God will not leave you comfortless. God will not leave you, abandon you as an orphan. God is after you. He is pursuing you. He is, he is coming for you. <laughs> in a good way, amen? Some people, you hear God's coming for you. You want to run away. No, God is coming for you in a good way. Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me, will hunt me down, the Passion Translation says, Psalm 23, every day of my life. And we are busy with a series on overcoming, and we're saying overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. And um, it's awesome how we're not just overcoming, but we're overcoming to help others overcome. Can I say that again? This is not self-help, even though it will help. Someone said to me after the first uh, message in the series, they said, oh, I really thought that it was really different than what I expected. I said, okay, what did you expect? I always like to engage in those conversations. And she said, well, I, I expected self-help, and it wasn't self-help at all. I'm like, no, it wasn't, but you need to be helped in order to help others. You know, it's like when you go on the airplane, and they say, put the mask on yourself first, and then help someone, because otherwise, both of you are going to fall over. And that's really the heart that I have for us as a church. And I'll show you it from Scripture, that we need to be overcoming or we need to overcome so we can help others overcome. We need to live in a place of surety, of maturity, so that we can help others get there. So Isaiah 40 verse 1 and 2 from the Passion says, Your God says to you, comfort, comfort my people with compassionate words. Speak tenderly from the heart to revive those in Jerusalem and proclaim that their warfare is over. A debt of sin is paid for and she will not be treated as guilty. Prophesy to her that she has received from the hand of Yahweh twice as many blessings as all her sins. 
I don't know about you, but we're living in a day, we're living in an age, we're living in a time where Christians are divisive. Where the family of God is divided. Where we're all camping in different camps. And I don't know about you, but if you realize that, that the media, whether it's social media or the media that you follow, it is instilling your view. It is, it is putting you in a, a mall call. You know what a mall call is? When you do whitewater rafting, I was privileged to do whitewater rafting on the Zambesi ones. It is an amazing experience. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to get into a mall pool. You don't want to get under the wave and stay there because it like turns you around and around and around. And that's really what the media, the way we have it today, is doing to us. As soon as you put your foot in one view, then it's going to keep you there. It's going to pull you down. It's going to take you deeper into that rabbit hole. So when we have a conversation around the table, it's difficult to have that conversation because we have two different opinions. We have different views, we have different understandings, we have different things of the truth. Then you get fake news and you get all these things together. And I want to share with you this morning is, if we look at Isaiah 40, we've got nothing to do with that. It says, comfort my people. With tender words. With compassionate, speaking tenderly from the heart. Not from an opinion, not from a worldview, but from the heart. As Christians, we have a big role to play currently in order to bring comfort, to bring peace, and to bring light into a world that is divisive, divided, and in fear. Fear is divisive. Fear is dividing and it's destructive. Perfect love casts out fear. I love what, um, what Gary said the other day. We were like in the pre-service meeting again. I'm always advertising the pre-service meeting. <laughs> that's, where, that's the dream team. So if you want to be part of that, um, it's really not hard work because we are so many. It's just awesome. But about the vaccine, like what is it about? Should you take it? Shouldn't you take it? Well, I love what Gary said. It's irrelevant in a sense because the real issue is fear. Either you're fearful of a virus or you're fearful of a vaccine. And I don't want to tell you what to do and how to do it. You need to go to God about it, but... Don't do anything in fear, because fear is not from God. God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So if you put it on two scales, if fear is on the one side, power, love, and a sound mind is on the other, then how can you make a good decision when you're in fear? Because sound mind, remember, is on this side. So you need to get out of fear, you need to get into the love of God, and then you'll make decisions powerfully, in love, and with a sound mind. And then the decision that you make is your decision. It's your decision that you make. And you don't need to force your decision down anyone else's throat. Amen? Because that's divisive. We are not called to, to get into politics. Can I say that again? We're not called to get into politics. When did John the Baptist get beheaded? When he got into politics. When he went to, Je to, to Herod. When he got off track. He wasn't running the race that was set before him. His race, and we'll see it from Isaiah 40 where we are now, is... Verse 3, a thunderous voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way for Yahweh's arrival. Make a highway straight through the desert for our God. That is the prophecy of John the Baptist. It has nothing to do with the political system, nothing to do with Herod, nothing to do with morality. And I say that again. We are not called to live up to a moral standard. We are called to share the gospel. Amen. That breaks the minds of morality. That changes the world view that we have. That it, like, it's the word that cuts to the, to the joints and the marrow between where your soul and your spirit connects. And I get really passionate about this. Because as a church, we need to be part of the solution, not the problem. I want to be part of the solution, don't you? I want to bring comfort and love. And There's so much noise. There's so much fear. Perfect love. Casts out fear. Not a better argument. Not a better argument, but love. Comfort, my people. Speak tenderly from the heart. A thunderous voice cries out in the wilderness. When do we use a thunderous voice? When do we speak out boldly? When do we stand for? What do we stand for? Boldly, courageously. Prepare the way for Yahweh's arrival. When we speak about Jesus, we use thunderous voices. When we proclaim the way of the truth, we use thunderous voices, not to cause division. Jesus is causing enough division, amen? He's a stumbling block. He is the, the rock of offense. Huh? Remember, think of that's your name. <laughs> the rock of offense. There's enough to be offended when it comes to the truth. We don't need to go further than that. 
Speak tenderly, my flock. Speak tenderly. Feed them. When Jesus comes in John 21, and he puts Peter back, I want to say, on his pedestal. No, he doesn't. He calls him close, and he says what? Feed my sheep. But what about the Romans? Feed my sheep. But what about what they did to you? Feed my flock. Tend to my sheep. That is the message of Jesus, the chief shepherd. Prepare the way for your Yahweh. Verse 4, every valley will be raised up. Every mountain brought low. The rugged terrain will become level ground and the rough places a plain. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know the mountains that you're having to climb currently. I don't know the hills, that, the uphill battles that you're having. But the word says every valley will be raised up. I don't know how deep in the dumps you are, how depressed you are. I care for you, but I want to give you a truth word. And it says it will be raised up. Every mountain will be brought low. Every challenge will be overcome. Every, we don't go and camp in the valley of the shadow of death. We get through it. Amen. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death. Now what we do often as Christians is we get into the valley. And then we want to think how do I, do I get here? So how, then I want to reverse those steps and decisions to get out of there. Okay, that's good logic. The word we had this morning is don't look back, look forward. We don't go into the valley and out the same way. We go through the valley. So we, wherever you are, you need to get out from where you are. Whatever you're facing, you can overcome. That's what we're sharing this morning. But every valley will be raised up. Every mountain brought low. There will be an end to whatever challenge we are facing. And even if death is the end, it's still a good end. Amen? I know the plans I have for you. Okay, now, Peter, now you're getting to why I came. All this other stuff. I was listening to something in the week and I was thinking about maturity. I think Shane shared on maturity last week. And I really thought about this thought, like maturity is not easy. But immaturity is super inconvenient. It's inconvenient to be immature. Because you just become a victim of your own thoughts, become a victim mindset, and it's inconvenient for you and for everyone else. But maturity is hard. To grow up is not easy. But Paul says, I don't want to just keep on feeding you milk. I want to I see you grow up. I want to give you meat. I want to give you the good stuff. Why? So you can see others. Think about God's plan, generation after generation. One generation gets born, gets brought up with milk, starts to, to feed on meat, and then another generation is born. That is what we need to do in our spiritual lives as well. Listen to this beautiful prophecy, Isaiah 40, verse 5. Then Yahweh's radiant glory will be unveiled, and all humanity will experience it together. Believe it, for Yahweh has spoken this decree. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it all together. <laughs> the world knows that there's God. They don't want to know it. They, don't, they want to explain it away, but they know it. In your heart, you know it. How, how do I know? Well, the most expensive homes and holidays are the furthest away from people and the closest to where God is tangibly felt in nature. It's the atheists who want to go into space and go into the most uh, secluded places for have the biggest homes there, yes. But why? Because they live for, for that. But they also want to live for comfort. And I want to speak about comfort this morning. And I think two weeks ago I spoke about um, contentment. And the feedback I got from the message was, well, I never realized that is what contentment is. And then I realized, well, a, a big part of my job is to help us correctly define terms that we are used to. Familiar terms, but we need to know, like, what is the godly definition of those terms? Success is one of them. Yeah, I can speak about your definition of success for a long time, but your definition of success will determine the course of your life. Because every one of us wants to be successful. But determining what you determine or deem to be success, that's what you will follow. Okay? That's why it's so important to have the right definition from the, from the onset. The same with comfort. We live in a world that is comfortable. The aircon is too cold, it's uncomfortable. If the aircon is too hot, it's uncomfortable. We want to wear layers so we can be comfortable. We want to have water which is convenient and comfortable in a bottle because, I mean, it's too much work to just move to the, to the tap in the bathroom. We live in a, in a place where comfort is really an idol. Comfort has become an idol. And I want to share again, we can live for comfort, but not as the world gives. You see, comfort and peace is, 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 is very much similar. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. I want to say this morning, my comfort he gives to you, but not as the world gives. 
Because a lot of us will only be comfortable when we feel comfortable in our flesh. But God is a spirit. So true comfort is not fleshly, spiritual. The world made it air cons and bubble baths and massages. All of that is flesh. All flesh will see it, all flesh will know, but we don't live for the flesh. Then Yahweh's radiant glory will be unveiled. Unveiled. Philippians 2 and verse 4 from the New Living Translation says, Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. I just love that. What is Christianity? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yes, so you need to love yourself. You need to get the love of God. You need to experience the truth. You need to be comforted by the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, so that you can go and give that life and give that. Now, I wanted to speak about rest, and we'll probably speak about rest next week. But rest really is a gift from God. But we live in a, in a world where unrest or lack of rest is idolized again. How's it going? Busy. How are you? Tired. How's work? Busy. Too much. The word says, Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath is a gift from God. And we can throw the gift back in his face or not use it or leave it unopened. That's fine. But what we have done in history is to make it a work. Make it a rule. Serving the Sabbath where we are called to serve the God of the Sabbath. And now Jesus has become unto us the true rest, the Sabbath. But that's next week's message. 2 Corinthians 1. This is going to bless you, I'm sure. 2 Corinthians 1 from verse 3. Say, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Wow. That blessed me. We know God is a God of grace. He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. But do you ever think about God, the God of all comfort? I haven't. You see, there's, there's the manifold grace of God. It is, it is evolving. It is, it is unpacked. It is evolving, not in that God is getting more gracious. No, it's that we're discovering more of how gracious He has been all along. The God of all comfort. Again, I don't know where you are. I don't know the challenges that you're going through. I know some of them. God is the God of all comfort. Not a Mauritius holiday because you can't even get there right now. God is the God of all comfort. No matter where you live, no matter what you eat, you can be comforted. No matter what goes on in the world or who you lose or what you lose out to, I have and you have the God of all comfort close to us. Listen to verse 4. Who comforts us in all our tribulation. Now then we need to look at what does a word, a big word like tribulation mean. It means oppressing. Pressure. Now I don't know about you, but if I ask you who's experiencing pressure, like my hands up. <laughs> we live in a pressure environment, in a pressure season, in a pressureful world. But God is the one who comforts us in that pressure. Metaphorically, it speaks of an oppression, an affliction, a tribulation, a distress. Well, again, depending on your worldview, depending what is happening in the world out there and how you're going to filter that and how you're going to look at it, it's actually then again irrelevant if we have the comforter who is the one who comforts us in all pressure and oppression. He is the one who's for us, not against us. Why is he there? Why is he the God of all comfort? Because he loves us. I don't know about you, but I want to, I'll com I want to create comfortable environments for the people whom I love. I will go out of my way to make Jordan sleep, even if it means I don't sleep, which often happens. Why? Because he must be comfortable. The best place for him to sleep is on top of Natasha. Very uncomfortable. But at least he's comfortable in his sleep. So she, she does it for him. We are made in God's image and likeness. Where do you think that comes from? That's how he is. God will get himself into an uncomfortable situation so that you can be comfortable. God is willing to be unpopular. What about that? Are we? Maybe again, you saw this slide and you thought, well, this is going to be a very nice message. But it is. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm calling us to stand up and mature. He does this because He loves us. But look at verse 4. Who comforts us in all our tribulation. Why? 
that we may be able to. So God wants to build you up, comfort you, love you, get you whole, get you ready, get you standing on your feet, get you eating meat. Why? So that you can now be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. You see, the life that we live is really only coming to the fruition of God's plan when we start living outside ourselves. When we start living for more than ourselves. When we start living not from the outside in. No, I can't do anything because this is going bad and this is bad and this is this. No, when we start to live from the inside out. I give you the comforter, John 14. Why? Because I'm the God of all comfort. Why? So you can be comforted and casual? No, so that you can comfort those who are in troubles. I knew this would bless you. That means when you're just getting ready and cozy on a Friday night. Speaking as a pastor, I know exactly what I'm talking about. You've got the popcorn in the microwave. You haven't seen your wife a lot this week. You've got the movie picked out. And you just want to do nothing but that. And you've, you've earned it. And your phone rings at 9 o'clock on a Friday night. And you pick it up and you see it. Hmm. This is not to ask how it's going. Then you answer that phone. Sometimes you get in your car and you go. Because I have been comforted so that I can comfort others. That doesn't mean I forget about my wife. Now you come back and you work that time. You find that time. You create that moment again. Because we ourselves need to be healthy. We need to be comforted. We need to be refreshed. We need to be full. We need to be at rest. So that we can comfort others. True change is uncomfortable. Leadership is a call to inconvenience. I don't love that. I want to say I love that. I don't love that. I don't like that. <laughs> Leadership is a call to inconvenience. It's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. But it's influence. It's maturity. It's standing up. It's living a life that counts. Why? Look at this. This is amazing. It says, by the comfort. So he's not expecting you to do something outside from within yourself. This verse has got it all. It says that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. I think it's the same word as tribulation. Pressure. Pressure. Pressing. Uh, oppression. Affliction. Tribulation. Distresses. Well, how do we do that, Peter? By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You see, if I came here this morning and said, Hey guys, we're going we're gonna to just go out and change the world. I put pressure on you. But what I'm saying is, according to this verse of Scripture, we need to be comforted. Because if we're not comforted, we're not going to be effective. We need to start with, with God. We need to start with ourselves. We need to start with our families. We need to, like, so God works for six days. He makes the universe and He creates the earth and everything out of nothing. Now think about it, the sixth day, Adam and Eve or Adam first, out of the dust. And then Eve out of the side. That's why they don't like mud, guys. The ladies don't want to get their hands dirty. They, they, they don't come from where we come from. <laughs> so think about Adam and Eve go to sleep. First day. They've not, they've not done anything. They go to sleep, they get up. They want to do stuff. Huh? They want to earn a holiday. And God says, rest. It's day seven for God. It's basically the first morning for man. So we start at rest. Yes, there's the whole world. There's all the animals to name. It's fine, Adam. We'll get there. Rest. Start at rest. We have a mindset where Sunday is the last day of the week. Sunday is the first day of the week. The Jews have it right there where they, their day start when the sun, the sun sets doesn't change anything really on your calendar it's a mindset they start at home they start with family they start at rest their day starts they have a great meal they feast together and they go to sleep very much like adam we are called to live in the much more according to romans 5 much more than what the first adam had but it's a mindset we need to create that time to be comforted because there's a world out there that needs comfort but we cannot run dry. We cannot do it by ourselves. We will burn out and become ineffective. So when are you being comforted by God? 
When are you being filled? When are you experiencing the presence of God? When are you taking your hurts, your pains, your aches, your questions to God so that He can answer you, help you, comfort you, love on you? Because from that place, you'll move forward and you'll change the world. Not from changing the world, running dry and burning out and then coming to God. That's not effective Christianity. We start with the comforter. John 14, Jesus says, I'm going to give you the comforter. It's better that I go away because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, the helper, the comforter. Then he goes and he tells in Matthew 28, he says, go into all the world. Now, wow, Jesus, 12 of us, all the world. Yes, but wait. But wait. Why? Because I'm going to send you the helper, the parakletos, the comforter, the power. Do you realize... That the power of God is the comfort of God. It's the Holy Spirit. The dunamis power comes through the comforter. Now that is so opposite in terms of our world thinking. I'm going to give you power, but it is comfort. Again, it's like peace. Not as the world gives. So if you're going to look for it in magazines, on, on those beautiful mountains, and in wine estates and in Mauritius, you're not going to find it. That's as the world gives. And that sometimes comes with a credit card bill, which brings more pressure and more stress. You see, as soon as you get out of debt, not just in terms of your eternal state, but in terms of your natural state, there's much less to worry about. But that's not the topic I want to get into at all this morning. God is in the business of providing comfort. But what is your definition of comfort? I want to say this. God is our comfort zone. We have this mindset of get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. I want to say get out of your flesh. Because God is is the comforter and He is the Spirit. Romans 8 verse 6. He that is carnally minded... Strongly mindedness leads to death, but spiritual mindedness leads to life and peace. Okay, comfort, life, and peace. So where do I go? You don't go anywhere. It's a mindset, it's a renewal, it's a thinking, it's a prioritization. Again, what's your definition of comfort? Remember, maturity isn't easy, but immaturity is inconvenient. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 5 says, For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. Who's got this on the fridge? True comfort isn't found in the world. It's only found in Christ. That's why Paul and Silas can sit in the prison door. I mean, they were awake at 12 at night. Probably because of the pain. Let's be honest. The pain or the rats or the stench. They were not awake because they were not tired. And what do they decide to do? Praise God. Praise God. Sing. Not to get something to happen. To be comforted. In probably the most uncomfortable situation you can find your flesh in, they are praising God because they're finding comfort in the comfort. God is their comfort zone. Even in a prison. This is amazing. If we get this, we're going to live outside this world. Yet impacting it tremendously. What did they do with Paul? They couldn't do anything anymore because all their threats was like, okay, if I die, to live is gain. What to live is life, or whatever to die is gain. Like, kill me and I better go be with Jesus. If we have that attitude, I mean, shame on the world with all their plans. Verse six. Now, if we are afflicted. We've been sold a Christianity that tells you this. When, as soon as you accept Christ, no more problems in your life. And that's false. It's counter the truth. It's not what the Word says. If you have afflicted, you haven't confessed right or you haven't given enough, no. It is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. It is effective for enduring suffering. What we have in Christ is the ability to endure, even suffering. 
We overcome when suffering doesn't have a hold on us. But we celebrate God in the midst of the suffering. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. He says whether we're in comfort or in, in, in suffering, it's all for the glory of God. Like Paul says, where I live or die, it's all for, for Christ. Look at verse 7. This is really the, the key verse for this morning. And our hope for you is steadfast. Because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. No matter what you're going through, where you're in, you know that you're not just partaking of the current state that you're in. You're partaking of something that is eternal. You are partakers of something more. You are partakers of consolation. The word consolation there is the word paraklesis, which is the same root as parakletos, which refers to the Holy Spirit, which refers to the comfort. So listen with me now. It says that you are partaking of the consolation, meaning you're partaking of the comfort and the comforter. Now the question then, obviously, is how? Peter, you made a good argument. I can see where you're going. I see the building blocks. How? Let me share with you. Thank you for asking. The word there is, in the, according to Thayer in his Greek lexicon, says, through a calling near. Or a summons. But not a summons to come before court to show you that you're guilty. It is a summons especially for help. So what is a summons? A summons is when someone knocks on your door and says, Hey Peter, here's a letter. On this and this date, you must be at this and this address. That's a summons. So how do we comfort? How are we comforted? We are comforted by God summoning us, calling us near, saying, Hey my child, come to me. Come spend time with me. Come be one with me. Come enjoy me. Come be spirit-minded with me. Come have fellowship. Come have communion with me. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14 says that the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship, the friendship, the communion of the Holy Spirit is with you always. Who's the Holy Spirit again? He's the comforter. How does He comfort us? Fellowship, communion, and friendship. What is one of the worst things of isolation and lockdown? It's the fact that we are social beings. Paul said it. He says, like, I yearn to be with you. Yes, I write you letters, but I yearn to be with you. I mean, when I preach to a little blue dot and you're all sitting on the other side, it's horrible. Let's be honest. We do what we do because it's not for comfort. It's still spiritual truth that goes out, I believe. But there's an energy in the room. I mean, Jock and Sunay didn't want to get engaged over Zoom while everyone is Zooming in. That would have not been as special. But even if we have to, we're not living for that comfort. But we want to be together. We want to, we want to have fellowship. Where does that come from? From God. The fellowship, the friendship, the communion of the Holy Spirit. Why? To help you, to entreat you, to exhort you, to give you admonition, to encouragement, consolation, comfort, solace, that which affords comfort or refreshment. How am I comforted? How am I refreshed? By God calling you near and you going, yes, Lord, I want some of that. I want the power. I want the fire. I want to change the world. Yes, be comforted. <laughs> start with the start. There's a lot of people out there that need to be comforted. So get comforted. I want to say get comfortable in your spirit man. Because that's where God is and he's the comforter. And then live from within that place and live out in a world that needs healing. Don't look for your comfort in this world. Well, Jesus gave peace, not as this world gave. He gave it his type, of, his type of comfort. Two more translations of this verse. It says, verse, the Amplified, And our hope for you, our confident expectation of good for you, is firmly grounded, assured, and unshaken, since we know that just as you share as partners in our sufferings, so also you are a share as partners in our comfort. The sufferings is in the flesh, the comfort is in the spirit. Otherwise, we're living this yin-yang life, this up and down. This You can be constant, you can be comfortable, even though your world is falling apart. 
with the Spirit. The Comforter is the Holy Spirit. The New Living Translation says, We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. True comfort is the same as true peace. It comes from God and not from the world. Listen, if he continues this on in verse 8, he says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Why were they in the province of Asia? They were evangelizing. They were missioning. They were changing the world. We are crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We are, and we thought we would never live through it. I mean, how bad can things get? But they're living for God. They're on the mission. Things should go better. <laughs> Who said? In this world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome. Verse 9. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. You don't have to get there to start trusting God. That's where the religion has messed it up. We get there when we get there. Where? To trust. Paul said, from when I'm weak, I'm strong, because Christ is my strength. He is my comfort, the Holy Spirit. We expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. Who's this God? The one who raises the dead. He's basically saying, even if we die, God can raise the dead. What was Abraham's faith? He knew the promise that Isaac was, how God was going to build his generation. So now God calls him to go and offer Isaac. Why does he go? Why does he go? Not because he believes God's going to send another son. No, because he believes that God can raise the dead. A foreshadow of Christ. The father offering his son, knowing that he can raise him from the dead. If you ever wanted to see the picture of Christ in the Old Testament, Abraham and Isaac, that going up the mountain, something in his place. Abraham believed in a God who raises the dead. We sang the song, Peter, you started us off the service. I've got resurrection power living in the inside. So what can this world do? I've got resurrection power living on the inside. So even the worst this world can do to you is kill you. The worst that Corona can do to you is kill you. We're going to live again, either in this life or the next. 2 Corinthians 15 says, If there's no resurrection of the dead, we are of all men most damned. But Christ, but God, but Jesus, but life, but power, but faith, but love, but um, consolation, comfort, because we don't live for this world. I love Daniel and his friends, their attitude in Daniel 3. For time's sake, we're not going to go through it. But they tell Nebuchadnezzar, God can raise the dead. And even if he doesn't, we still won't bow to I love that. I have faith. God can do miraculous. But guess what? Even if he doesn't come through, I'm still not bowing to your will. I'm still not bowing to your idol. I'm still not bowing to your rules of oppression. I have a resurrecting power living on the inside. We've got a God who raises the dead. Listen to verse 10, 2 Corinthians 1. Well, we're getting to a close. It says, And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and we, he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us the word continue there is not a word you want to see <laughs> you want to be rescued and move on but we're going to have to be rescued again and again and again because guess what there's going to be more trouble there's going to be more things coming and you are helping us by praying for us then many people will give thanks because god has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety now I want to ask you this morning, are you waiting to be encouraged or are you encouraging others? Are you waiting to be comforted or are you in a place where you're comforting others? Are you loving on others or are you waiting to be loved upon? We only love because He first loved us. So we can only encourage because we have been encouraged. We can only comfort because we have been comforted by God. We can only love because we receive His love. We can only give comfort because we've received His comfort. We can only encourage when we ourselves are encouraged. 
interesting, the Afrikaans, um, the word comfort there is, in the old translations, it's truis, but in the new translations, it's bemoedig. You see, Afrikaans doesn't really know where to go with it, and obviously it's both. It is to comfort you, but to also to stir you up, to move you forward, to exhort you, to build you up, to get going in a direction. Sometimes you just need to sit in your puddle of tears and let God tap you on the back. That's fine. That's really fine. He's the comforter. He will do that. He wants to do that. But he also is the one who says, hey, come my son. Get up. Let's go. Let's live a life of purpose, a life of calling, a life of destiny. Let's live for more. Let's look forward, like Paul said. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, looking forward to the high prize of the calling of Let's look forward. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 6 says, But God, <laughs> I love that. Let that be our mantra, but God. This, 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 is, but God. This happened and this is good, but God. This wave and this, but God. Who encourages those who are discouraged. See, it's not a sin to be discouraged. It's just, again, inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. He encourages those who are discouraged. Encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. By the arrival of Titus. Who can you encourage by just showing up? I, I say in a world of WhatsApp, a phone call stands out. A phone call stands out. How much more? A knock on your front door. Say, hey, let's go for coffee. Hey, where are you? I'm coming. No, it's too far and yesterday. Where are you? What time of the day? I don't matter. It doesn't matter. You need me. I'll be there. And then you get tired and uncomfortable. But you've got the God of comfort. The God of all comfort. That says everything that is not of God is not going to give you comfort if He's the God of all comfort. Because everything else is false then. Listen to verse 7. The New Living Translation says, His presence was away. I want, I want that. People must say, hey, Peter was here and it was a joy. The only way that's going to happen is if I arrive full. If I arrive stirred up, if I arrive comforted, if I arrive built up in the faith. And we, we don't, mustn't use the word full. We are full and complete. Amen? But we need to stir up the gift that's coming. We need to fan into flame. We need, to, we need to use what we've got. I remember the first Sunday after we took over from Shane and Marna. I arrived at the Dream Team meeting and I was ready to be stirred up. Like every other Sunday. And I looked around and I'm like, Wachat, you're it. Where's Shane? Shane's not here. So I had to come stirred up, ready, prepared, so that I can stir up 22, 23 other people. Now, if we all arrive full, and you don't come to church to get stirred up, but you come stirred up, and I really want to build a culture where we are not spectators in church, but participate. The most powerful mornings we've had here together is when Everyone shares a word and we see a theme of the Holy Spirit. You don't know it, but I change my notes and we go minister where the Holy Spirit wants to go. That's, that's, that's awesome. But today we're lying down building blocks. We're putting down the tracks. Let's arrive comforted, comforted encouraged, built up, full of faith, full of grace, loved by God. So we come and we say, hey, come like bumper cables. Like when we touch you, something's going to happen. Because guess what? There's power living on the inside of you. When Christ is in you, you've got it. The Holy Spirit is here. His presence was a joy, but so was the news that brought off the encouragement he received from you when he told us how much you long to see me and how sorry you are for what happened and how loyal you are to me. I was filled with joy. What Paul doesn't give is answers to people's problems. Present brings comfort. You don't need to have all the answers to everyone's problems. Sometimes you just need to be there. You just need to show up. You just need to listen. You just need to give a hug. 
Sest pampiteks või jõuad. Often I believe we hide because we don't have answers to problems, questions and troubles. God does not expect you to have all the problems, all the answers. He just expects you to be there. Show up. With that, he invites you to show up comforted, filled, full, carried, stirred up, ready. What are you listening to? What are you feeding on? What does your schedule do? not legalistic, it's not religious, it's not rules, it's invitation. It's like a good diet. Makes you feel better. Gives you energy. What is your spiritual diet? If Do you have time not to confess your sins, but to be comforted by the Holy Spirit? And you don't even need to have something heartsier going on in your life. Because that's where we miss it. Say, hey Lord, let's stand up, let's do it. Where you are, let's stand up and have a, a moment of, of comfort. You can just close your eyes. You want to open your hands, you want to lift your hands, whatever you do. Let's practice this. Just close your eyes. and Obviously, this is for people who have the Holy Spirit. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit, I want to just start there. I want to just say, if you have never received Christ, you've never received the power of God, the, the Son of God, the Spirit of God. Maybe this is why you are here this morning. This is why you are, are here, to receive that. Because without the Comforter, how can you become? So if that is you, wherever you are, just pray with me and say, Hey, Father, I was thinking Christianity is all about my sin, but I hear it's about so much more. I want to just receive this morning. I want to receive forgiveness. I want to receive the, the, the offering, the sacrifice of Christ. And I know that He's Lord. I know that He died. But you are the resurrection power of God and that you rose Him, Christ, from the grave. I believe that. Not only do I believe that, but I receive that. The gift of eternity. Jesus said in John 10, I came to give life, the life that lasts forever. That is the true life. That is the Yivachaliva. The life that never ends. And if you have received that, <laughs> welcome to the family. And if you, did, if you have received that previously, like, think about that for a moment. Where you are right now, this Holy Spirit, we invite you to, to just do your work, to comfort us, to help, to hold us near and dear. We want to just encounter you face to face right now. We know that you are in us. We're not calling you out of heaven. We're not like weaning for you to come. We're just like, Lord, you are here. You said you'll never leave us. You'll never. For a moment, just think about the fact that in Christ you have life that never ends. The life that never ends. What can man do? You've got the life that never ends. What can this world do to you? What can sickness do to you? What can fear do to you? What can depression do to you? What can anxiety do to you? You have in Christ the life that never ends. The God of all comfort, your Father. Not only is He your Father, He is close. He is one with you. He is near you. He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake. And really the key then is trust. The cares of this world is what's holding us back. The anxieties, the fears of this world. When we are not called to live for this world, we are just in this world. We're just passing. Right now where you are, just speak to God. If you ever done it, this is, your, this is your first time. Where you are, just speak to God. If you want to pray in tongues, pray in tongues. If you want to pray under your breath, just, just speak to God. He's real. Moses was a friend of God. Moses spoke to God and God repented. We can, we can just enjoy it. Holy Spirit, 
can't put it right. Refresh us, stir us up. Help us for what is true, what is lasting, and what is important. Any of the leaders, if you have a word for the church, please you can come and just share that as well. Just take a deep breath. The Spirit of God is the breath. Sometimes we just need to take a deep breath. Think of the gift of life. Jesus says in Matthew 6, that you're worried about clothing, you're worried about food. He said, isn't the fact that you're alive a bigger miracle? Isn't the fact that your heart is beating already enough to show you how much God cares? That He's the giver of life. He who makes the lilies in the field, He who makes the flowers, He who cares for the birds who neither sow nor reap. Let that take pressure off you right now. Maybe you think like, I haven't given... I haven't done this, I haven't, like he looks after the birds and they don't sow nor reap nor store away in barn. Yeah, but Peter, I knew I had to have savings for this time. Yes, you did, but your father is not going to hold it again. He makes all things work together. Just feel the Holy Spirit like a waterfall just flashing over you. Washing you. Refreshing you. Nothing. No shame. No guilt. No fear. No sin. Has a hold on you stronger than God's hold. Than His power that is flashing and rushing over you right now. Let go of fear. Let's let go of fear right now. I believe there's some people here, you say you think you're not afraid, but you actually deep down you're very concerned. You haven't even maybe verbalized it to yourself, but there's this weight that feels like it's dragging you down. You're just not as free as you used to. The word says, lay aside every way. Lay aside every way. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.